This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. All right, here we are with episode five. Cinco! Cinco de Strength and Anger. Of the Strength and Anger podcast. I am Eric Stone, and with me always... At Bain316. Is Robert Bain. Yeah. Don't call me Bob, Rob, Bobby, or Robbie. I actually had that, had that conversation, quick side note, had to have that conversation with my boss today. Oh, yeah, what did your boss call you? So so he called me Robert. We were in a meeting, so, so just a little history on this so you know i work in the logistics logistics industry for those who don't know uh, i've been doing it for a while and we're coming into this year 2019 has been a really tough year in logistics and so we're kind of going in and doing this what they call swat strengths weaknesses opportunities and threats whoa because like swat and like my mm-hmm. is like swatting like when you like call the swat to somebody's house when right. you dox them so wow right. that's that's an interesting acronym for that yeah, so, so we're doing a SWAT tomorrow, and this is basically all of our managers and above. And it's a pretty big deal. We're taking literally all day tomorrow. We start at 8, and we're running until 3 o'clock, and then from 8 until noon on Wednesday. So this is a big deal, and, and you think about the amount of salary that we have in this room. So we want to make it work and make it worthwhile, right? And so we're walking through kind of a dry run of it, kind of what, how the rules of engagement are going to go, because there's going to be a lot of, I don't want to say hurt feelings, but uh, very direct commentary going on. And so he talks to our VP of sales. He always calls him by his last name. And nine times out of 100, he refers to me as Bane. He was always like, Robert, what do you think? I'm like, am I in trouble? He says, why? I'm like, basically, I get referred to by my first name when I'm in trouble, like either by an officer of the law, my mother, or in this case, you. And he laughs like, well, what should I call you? And then before I get anything on, I was like, should I call you Bobby? I'm like, I'm tapping my finger if you can't hear that on the uh, on the podcast. Just tap the microphone, maybe. Yeah. So it was one of these kind of things. And the others in the room was like, oh, we've struck a nerve. I'm like, you have. And this is your one warning. My name is Robert or Bane. Now, again, this is the president of our division who I say this to. He's like, well, that's, that's pretty strong tone in your voice. I'm like, yep, pretty strong tone from a pretty strong man. My name is Robert or Bane. <laughs> To be fair, he did call you Robert. He did, and I'm totally cool with that. I said I just made sure everything was good because normally when I'm called Robert by someone who knows me well, I'm probably in trouble. So, yeah, everyone got the talking to about Rob, Bob, Bobby, or Robbie. And that's my story. Okay. Well, there's, like, the what's going on before what's going on. <laughs> yep. So let's go into what is going on. So you've already said a little bit, Bane, but yeah. what else is going on with you? You know, uh, really cool weekend. Saturday, I made my way here to 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois. And I was on the mic, very first time, for the Rise of the Deadlift and Beast of the Bench. And uh, I had a good time. It was fun. Uh, brought my daughter along with me uh, just to kind of be around the, the, the team and, and everybody here. She really enjoys being around the powerlifting scene. And she had the opportunity to help out at the meet as well. And from what it sounds like, she did well. Yeah, you know what? I'm always a big uh, proponent of putting people to work. Yes. And I think there's value in working and feeling useful. Yeah. 
And she was just sitting there, and I asked Bane if I could ask his daughter because maybe he didn't want her to work. I don't know. It's not my daughter. Yeah, I get you. And so I said, hey, do you want to earn some money and do some work? And she was kind of reluctant, as most 13-, 14-year-old girls would be. Especially when Eric Stone comes up and says, hey, you want to make some money and do some work? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> she is 14. Uh, not yet. Not until next month. Okay, she's 13. She's 13. Got even worse. Yeah, remember, remember, 15 will get you 20, Bane. Hey. That's, that's from my old coach, Mary Sternberg. I, I have not had to worry about that in a long time, my friend. No, I'm always the big proponent of, you know, feeling useful and doing work is good. And no, there's, it, there's value in a, in a hard day's work. And, yeah, I actually thought she probably did better than some others we've had do that job. That's awesome. Um, yeah, she took attempts, and she brought them back to the table. And yeah. her and Tara was on the computer. Bane was at the mic. So we had some different people doing some of the jobs. I like to do that with these smaller meets mm-hmm. is to let some different people get at some, you know, their feet wet. So then when we come to a big two-platform meet, I've got a bigger pool of people. Building a bench. Right, exactly. Hey. I thought you did a really nice job on the mic, Bane. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, I was, yeah, I was I trying mean, to have some fun and, and get the crowd into it. Also, you know, let people know when they're going to be lifting. Kind of forgot about that during the first part of the first flight. but That's probably the biggest thing that I think is – uh, you know, it's it. It seems like you're doing the same thing over and over again. But what you have to remember is that like, people are only really listening when it applies to them for the most part. Yep. And when you're listening for your name in the order, you want to make sure you hear the order between yeah. each lift. Because sometimes if you kind of drift off, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, am I three out? Am I four out? Am I up? Yep. And so that's that's the key. You just keep announcing the weights. You keep announcing the order. Gosh, I think I talked about it the other week. We got a. A comment on our Facebook live video from one of the last meets where, like, the Detman, who was announcing at that yep. meet, yep. forgot to announce one of the weights. Oh, no. And it's like, you know, in the midst of four sessions of a three-day meet, yes, on one lift, on one lifter. And someone found the one. <laughs> right. So that's when I announce. Um, that's what I was trying to do. Announce the weight in pounds and kilos, announce the order, and then if you have any extra time, you know, announce extra stuff, get the crowd going. I usually, if somebody's going to bomb out, I try to get the, the crowd behind I, them. I, I tried to do that. There was, there was, I think there was one on the bench. There was one bomb yeah, out. Yeah, and I feel bad for him. I actually got to reach out to him and see if I can bring him in here for a couple, maybe one-on-one or some yeah. team sessions because he lifted our beginner's meet and he did okay, but mm-hmm. man, his bench form could use some work. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a fun day, and, and again, getting to get the crowd into it. I usually do that when I'm on the platform helping spotting loading. So it was just fun to kind of have the mic and, and do that as well. So, um, But all that is cool. There is some other stuff going on. What's going on with you, sir? Oh, man. So I've been waiting because I signed the contract for this probably two weeks ago. But if you had not seen my Facebook Live video on 2XL Powerlifting Facebook page. I did see it. 2XL is moving. Where are you the, taking your talents? We're going up to 1141 South Main Street in Lombard. Nice. It's the corner of Roosevelt and Main. If you know the Enchanted Castle, it's right down the way from there. Um, it's about a mile, mile and a half north and just a block or two west of our current location. It's pretty much still right off 355. It is a... <laughs> First thing I asked. <laughs> yeah, it's right off 355. Um, it's a big location. It is 22,000 square feet. And just for context, what is your current square footage? Current here? square footage with everything is 12,000 square feet. That's awesome. With a giant sloth in the middle of our current place, which yeah. is taken up by a way bigger than we'd ever need front desk. Yep. And a bunch of changing rooms. Yep. 
So this is a much more open floor plan. Um, we are planning on having a permanent event center with two platforms set up. So when we run meets, we can just throw out some chairs. Yeah, that is dope. That's so exciting. And we're ready to go. Yeah. Um, we'll have a huge area for our, you know, the rest of our lifting equipment, um, you know, our monoliths and platforms and benches. We're going to bring in some more machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I mean, when I say machines, I mean, uh, we might bring in a couple more cardio machines, but Bill, Bu- <laughs> yeah, Bill Busby's going to bring in some more of his machines, uh, and, uh, selectrolyzed cable machines, that kind of thing. He's actually got a whole another storage unit of stuff. Oh, wow. And so we can help each other out by yeah. him no longer having to pay for a storage unit and us having more equipment in the facility. It's got locker rooms. It's got showers. It's got a group exercise room. Hey, if group you know uh, I mean, that's, you know, personal preference, I suppose. <laughs> there is a handicap accessible one, which is, you know, medium-sized. Wow. Um, Excellent. Joey. If you know, <laughs> he'll probably never listen to this. So I'll just tell him he got a shout-out during the yeah, podcast. Yeah. He'll He's got to listen me. just for that one yep. shout-out. Yep. Um, we got a group exercise room, so if anybody is looking for a space in the Lombard area for a, you know, group exercise, you know, space, yoga, Pilates, really whatever – um, you can contact Eric Stone, eStone at 2xlpowerlifting.com, and we could uh, we could talk to you. Cause there could be another Bane that makes their way down to uh, – <laughs> I mean, Nick has all of her certs, man, so yeah, we'll yeah. see. Because uh, it's not really something we want to do. I mean, it's a big group exercise room. We, we're talking to a couple groups right now, um, but I don't want to manage group exercise. I'd rather just have someone that subcontracts it out. So There we go. But it's a nice space. Cool. Um, so a lot more coming with that. I mean, I think probably tomorrow or soon I'll announce we've got all our already at the first half of 2020 laid out for dates for meets. Mm-hmm. The Illinois State meet will be at the new 2XL Powerlifting. That's exciting. The Autism Bench meet will come back next year. Yes. So if you're interested in being a featured lifter, if you're a big bencher, yeah, um, you could let me know on that. And then we'll have another beginner's meet. Our intro to powerlifting has sold out for the last month or so. Nice. We're going to do a women's one in January, leading into our women's empowerment meet run by the lovely and talented Jacqueline Stone, who I has, has now been listening to the podcast. So she'll, yes. she'll hear this shout out now. By the way, that's Eric's wife. Yeah, that's my wife. And <laughs> I didn't use enough we language in our first episode. Just to correct the record, we, Jackie and I, bought a monolift and started Team Stone together back in 2005. Um, if I wasn't emphatic enough on that. Jackie and I met powerlifting, so we've been at it basically together. We've been at it? Yes. We've been at it. There to- you go. We've been at it together, you know, <laughs> gosh, going back since, like, oh, we met in 03. We started dating in 04. We got engaged in 05 and started the team and then got married in 06. So wow, we have really followed similar paths on that. Like you guys are just a year behind us, except for the you know small army of children. But yeah, we waited. We waited a few years before the children came yeah, along. Yeah, yeah, just you know, a few months, no big deal. So that is what's going on with us. There's more to come there, but let's go into that, our. By the way, that's exciting, man. Congratulations. Thank that you. Really, I appreciate really cool. that. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's exciting. It's it's a little bit scary because it's a big it's a big facility yeah. and. You know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done to make make it successful. I can't, we can't do our current business model. And Bain, being a a guy in business, understands yeah. that you, you got to evolve, man. And and I think it's cool just to how, how I've seen. I've kind of known you for a few years, seeing your business evolve and seeing how, you know, at the end of the day, you know, your the lifters are your customers, and, and you treat your customers well. And and the way that the meats themselves grow shows that you guys do have an eye to customer service and the lifter experience, and that's really cool. Um, so I, I just want to say congratulations. That is awesome. Uh, one thing that I left out of last week's 
you know, episode about your uh, doing your first powerlifting meet. Pro tip. <laughs> Pro tip. Bring a roll of toilet paper. That's not bad advice. I, I have been to meets, and, and I should learn this from um, from Bill Lee, phenomenal lifter. He uh, trains. Uh, Who is a very large man. He's a huge man and a wonderful human being, by the way. Um, and he's been doing our meets. He might have been at one of those first Illinois Raw Power Challenges, if I'm not mistaken. Very maybe. I'm pretty sure he might have done, like, he did. He definitely did one at Right Fit. I'm almost 100% certain. I think I've heard about some of those meets, too, like from him. So. And him, and he was, you know, part of the Wisconsin crew with yep. uh, the white singlet yeah. legend, Sammy Greco. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see him back someday. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Bill, Bill gave me that tip one time. And so, yeah, I do carry a extra roll of toilet paper in uh, my gym bag whenever I come to a meet. So Pro Relentless tip. is the big charity meetup in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now that they've moved it to a high school, it's less of an issue. But they used to run it at a church. And right. I remember, like, there would be, like, a Costco box of toilet paper sitting nice. outside, like, nice. a couple of bathrooms there because you knew that big powerlifting meat, big dudes, lots of pre-workout, lots of caffeine. Lots of food. Lots of food, lots of toilet paper. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many rows of toilet paper we go through at an average meet. Not oh, to I mention, would... at the last, the Summer Bash, we had literally not one, not two, not three, not four, but five broken toilet handles. Just And one person literally just flat out just not, they they took the top off and like messed around and and busted the floater so so let's just be clear how many toilets are actually in the gym here to be fair there's only two and you had how many broken toilet five handles? broken toilet handles so i just i i gotta say that's y'all a, y'all know who you are that's a pr yeah that's that's a pr that's a unique one i mean five for two Someone broke the floater to the point where I had to call a plumber the next day to have, like, the innards of the toilet replaced. That's crazy, man. And stupidly expensive. Yeah. The new gym will have lots of toilets. Now, hopefully not extra extra toilets to be destroyed, <laughs> but maybe to spread out well, some of that. in some way. Maybe to spread out some of that usage a little bit. <laughs> so that's exciting. It is exciting, man. It's like, congratulations. Very happy for you. Uh, excited to check out the new place. So. Yeah, it, we will be there January 1st, 2020. If you'd like to be part of the moving party, uh, it'll be somewhere around the after Christmas time frame between Christmas and New Year's. The gym is, you know, we're putting it on wheels and we're moving it. Yep. Um, and there'll be new equipment in there. It's uh, it's an exciting time and a scary time for a business owner, but but a good one. Yeah. You know, it's like when people talk about, like, I went to Six Flags on uh, on Saturday Sunday, excuse me, yesterday with my wife Jackie, yeah. by the way. We went we to went, six yes. we went to six flags. <laughs> well, and it's like there's a certain level of like scaredness that like I think of fear that I think you need. Like mm-hmm. if roller coasters weren't a little bit scary, they wouldn't be fun, right? Correct. Correct. I mean if 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 it was all totally safe, and this is a Louisism that wasn't in Westside versus the world, he yeah. usually says exercises that are totally safe are totally useless. Well, I would politely disagree. I hear what he's saying from a thought process standpoint. And, and that's, you know, one of the things I, I talk about if people ask me kind of my origin story, right? Like, what do you do for fun? One of the things I will sometimes say if I'm feeling a little froggy is I like to cheat death. So it is kind of what we do. Right. That's what you're doing when you go on a roller coaster, right? Yeah. When you go on a roller coaster, when you... When you it's, s- it's very safe in general, but it yeah. feels when you're going down Goliath at like an 85 degree angle. Nope. It feels pretty unsafe. You don't yeah. like roller coasters, Bane? Hell to the naw. You just said you like cheating death, though. I do. I like doing it with weights on my back or over my face, not on a roller coaster. Oh, okay. Well, that's too bad. Jack, that's one of Jack and I's things. I, I am terrified of heights. There, there so are, am I. That's why it's fun. No, there are two things I am scared of that I cannot deal with. That is heights and water. 
cannot do it. No. See, now I, I'm not afraid of water. I, I mean, I'm okay with it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm afraid of heights, but that's why it's nope. to nope. me. So I guess in a roundabout way, the point I was getting to is I think, you know, you almost need a little bit of fear or a little bit of, you know, scaredness mm-hmm. when you're going into a situation because that's going to help focus you. And if I'm a little afraid that we could go out of business, then I'm going to work my ass off and I'm going to think of every idea I can and then, of course, boil all those ideas down to the best ones yeah. in order to make the business work. And let's not give over to Mark Bell. <laughs> not get what to Mark Bell? Not, not give him over to Mark Bell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. We'll talk about that, him. That timing was amazing. So we'll, we'll talk about him when we get into this take on West Side versus the World. Let's get into it, man. Let's talk, let's talk about this, this infamous now movie, West Side versus the World. So it's coincidental that I put last week that we were going to talk about West Side versus the World this week. And my thought process was... You know, let's do a couple different kind of episodes. So we did, you know, kind of like the history. We did the origins of Bane and I. Mm-hmm. We did, you know, almost a totally different one with your first powerlifting meet mm-hmm. that I wanted to put out there. Almost as like a hook for people. Hey, I'm doing a, a powerlifting meet. Let me search for something. They listen to that, and then they maybe binge on the other episodes. Hopefully. <laughs> we hope, right? Yeah. And so I was thinking the WPO is coming up. And if you didn't know, WPO is... August 28th at Pheasant Run Resort. October. What did I say? August. Oh, shit. Yeah. not Definitely not August. The year is literally almost over, man. That's what's wild. Oh, my gosh. October 28th, yep. 2019, if you're listening to this in the future, the WPO is at Pheasant Run Resort in St. Charles, the mm-hmm. best 30 multiply lifters in the world. Um, and it is going to be on ESPN3, which is pretty exciting. Now, that's not ESPN2 or ESPN proper. It's a streaming service, but... You know, we think about it. What are mo- how do most people watch their TV now? At least thirty percent of people might watch most of their TV streaming, maybe more. I I would say in my house, easily mid to high eighty percent of the television that is watched is streamed. I mean, for us, it's probably ninety percent. Like the only time that's not streamed is what I'm watching. Like because we don't have cable anymore, mm-hmm. it's regular broadcast TV and that's basically Bears games or when or when the internet's out. Yeah, I, or DVDs, I guess. I guess yeah, we'll have that, but yeah, I mean the majority of it is all it's it's Netflix, Hulu, Vudu, Amazon Prime. That's, yeah, we're, that's all us. Yeah, we're Netflix, CBS, me, WWE Network. Um Survivor so, Series coming up. Yes, is that this this Sunday? Uh, no, it's in November. It's actually the same I know. As the, I didn't uh, realize that cuz I would actually quit. love to go to Survivor Series, it's at the but the state it's at the Allstate Arena, and I've been to a lot of pretty good uh, wrestling pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Money in the Bank when CM Punk beat John Cena. Nice. I was at Backlash in 2001 where Shane McMahon jumped off the Titantron. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was at the Raw where Hulk Hogan ran his semi-truck into the Rock's yep. car. Yep. And you could, like, hear or you could smell the burnt tire coming from outside. It's awesome. Um. So I would like to go to Survivor Series. I don't know when the meet's going to be over, though. Yeah. And it's a geared meet. We don't have a ton of lifters yet. Well, but here's open. But I guess the point is, it's on ESPN3, and ESPN's trying to build streaming content. That's one of their streaming channels. And kind of how it got to be, not that I know all the inner workings of it, but I can tell you a big part of it was Michael Fahey, the mm-hmm. producer of West Side vs. the World. Mm-hmm. West, ESPN saw the success of West Side vs. the World being sold on Amazon mm-hmm. and now streaming on Netflix. Because Netflix doesn't release that data, but you sure as hell know that Netflix is tracking every freaking... Every... Oh, they, every they re- cl- every they click... to the owners. Every click, 
every click off, yep. how long people watch the videos, how many people watch the videos. Mm-hmm. You have to believe that all of that is tracked. All, all that data is, I can tell you, having worked at a, at a tech company before, yes, all that data is tracked. Everything is kept track of in, in some way, shape, or form. All of it is analyzed, and, and then those analytics are taken and used to, to produce or find or develop additional similar content to continue to get people watching. Right. And Netflix especially, yeah. you know, a lot of their content is about to go bye-bye to Disney. Yep. And they're looking, they're pumped a bunch of money into original content. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for stuff like that because documentaries are huge. I don't know about you, but I enjoy documentaries because it's kind of fun to learn stuff while you're watching stuff. Absolutely love documentaries. And, you know, it's tough because, like, if you want to find a TV series, it's like, you know, do you want to just watch a one-off episode? And then, but then if you're into it, do you really want to invest the time into watching seven seasons of NCIS or whatever? Right, right. So, that's But a documentary, tough. it's kind of just one-off. They, they can be standalone or they can, you know, you can binge it. You know, like, I, little guilty pleasure of mine is uh, Ancient Aliens. Ah. Because I like the guy. Aliens. Is that the guy that has like the with crazy the hair? hair? Yes, yes. I don't know why I'm putting my hands up. Nobody can see what I'm doing with it's my okay. hands. See, at some point we're gonna have to start videoing the podcast. While yeah. we're recording. Well, maybe in the new two XL we could think about a, a video setup. Maybe. You know, I could put this up on YouTube just with the audio and like a picture of us. Yeah. With our thumbs up, and you could stare it because I, I do know people that quote watch quote unquote yep. YouTube videos, but just listen to them. Oh yeah, I mean, I I think it. Um... At AWPC Worlds, there were plenty of folks that had YouTube on as they were listening to music. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, pe- people love it, man. So West Side vs. the World is, you know, kind of a look, if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we'll probably be giving out spoilers, but I don't know that it really matters because there's nothing groundbreaking it, in the it's documentary. It's like after Avengers been out for two months, man. Like, dude, you had your chance to watch it. Well, plus it's not like there's, like, a secret ending at the end or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's really just a look into the gym. There's, and, there's and a it, post-credit scene. There is. I promise. Really not, but <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just watched it today. Is that not in the Kickstarter? Yeah. Is that in the, like the Amazon edition as yes. opposed to the Kickstarter edition yes. I got? Yeah, the, the, the deleted scenes. Uh, okay. So uh, I'll start with kind of my general thoughts of it. Um, and then I'll get into what maybe will be a reoccurring uh, format for Amy, any kind of like video or movie reviews Bane and I do, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. So some general notes from me. First is that uh, the opening scene of 2017 APF Nationals, the meet I competed at. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool because I was right there and went off. In fact, I tried to look for myself because I was around the general area mm-hmm. helping uh, one of my teammates at the time. And I competed at that meet as well. I Did I compete on a different day? I can't remember. I think all the equip lifters lifted on the same day. It's I'm not 100% clear on that, whether I was there helping or lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending scene was from a meet we ran, yeah. APF 2018 equipped nationals. I remember that. Where Dave breaks the all-time world record total and then pushes Louie over. Rewind. He launches Louie. And it's it's funny because I was near the scorer's table, and there's kind of murmurs in the crowd that if Dave pulls his second deadlift, that he was going to break the all-time world record total. And so, like, everybody – it's kind of like a low murmur in the crowd. And one of the platforms had already finished. It was only one platform left. And I was standing over, kind of away from the platform, watching. And then I saw, like, a commotion behind my big projector screen. And I'm like, what the hell happened? And then apparently <laughs> Louis had gotten launched. And according to Louis, his neck had never felt better, af- better afterward, kind of adjusted his spine a little bit, and there he was able go. to turn his head again. So so just to, to piggyback off that, so Dave Hoff, he, he's, he's the man 
right now, right? He, he has the all-time biggest total. In multiply, he's the man. Yeah. And, and you'll see, not as, actually, after that opening scene, I thought we would see more of him in the movie. I figured you would. And you really I thought it would be like the Dave Hoff show, but yeah. and I think maybe if, well, it's being produced. The sequel, I think, will be a little bit more the Dave Hoff show. Yeah. Well, because he, he's Westside right now. Right now. Uh, so Hoff does talk about how he kind of gets in that fight or flight mode. And apparently this is like one of his calling cards is if you're close enough to him, which is going to be really interesting because I'll be right next to the guy when he's lifting at the WPO because I'll be one of the spotters and loaders. And, yeah, he is a habit of launching people or pushing them or hitting them after he, he gets done with the lift. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that happens. But apparently this was like a known thing, and I, I don't know if – There was other footage of him doing it elsewhere. And, oh, I and, love it. And the, and the documentary as well. Yeah, so, you know – Louis got, got in harm's way there, and, and which was, again, you watch the video, and it's it's funny now because Louis ended up being okay. By the way, that was on ESPN. It was. and Because that got wide, you know, it was posted, I think, on ESPN's Facebook page. Yeah, it got posted on the Facebook page. It was on Sports Center for, like, for two days. Yeah. And no, then I think it was on, it made a top ten, and then it also made a not top ten. <laughs> they showed the part of Louis getting launched. So I think that might be, that might be a quick, or a, uh, a record for, powerlifting that the same video gets on the top 10 and the not top 10 right so kind of some just general thoughts i had um and i actually it's funny because someone brought up here at the gym the other day a good idea for a podcast which we may do next week if we can't arrange for the interview i'd like to do is that social media's impact on powerlifting mm-hmm. they had made the suggestion that we read off some female powerlifters dms allowed on the podcast <laughs> There's a particular powerlifter at this gym that gets a lot of DMs. Uh, yes. At Miss Mombod. I thought you were talking about me, but okay. Oh, do you get a lot of DMs? I do not get zero. Oh, None. okay. But what's interesting is that Westside's influence was so big in the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. and the early 2000s. And a lot of that was because there was no social media. You know, mm-hmm. Louie and some of the other people talk about this in here about, you know, how they actually had to call Louie on the phone. And he would talk to you on the phone. If you had questions, yeah. Louie would answer the phone. And, like, people have talked about how they talked to him for, like, 30 minutes. And they wild. would And they would call him with, like, low back issues and be like, no, this is what you need to do. And whether you think his methods are right or wrong, just the fact that he took the time to just talk with you on the phone is crazy. It, it really is when you think about it. Cause... The owner, the owner of Westside, just he's answering the phone and he's telling you, "Here's the the number of sets and reps, and do reverse hypers every day." Yeah. And, um, and that's logistically. If Louis had not recorded all that training footage for those VHS tapes, I don't think the documentary would have been what it was because. Mm. I think one of the things they did that filled in the gaps really well was they had some, like, cartoon illustrations to fill in the gaps, and they had a ton of interviews. But sometimes do you want to just watch a documentary with a dude sitting there talking and not always so that some of that B footage and some of the, you know, the footage of them at meets and especially yeah. from, the, from the VHS tapes was really valuable. Yeah. Um, but it, it reminded me of how impactful Westside was when I first started because if you wanted powerlifting content back then – Basically, the place you got it from was Powerlifting USA, which was the only magazine powerlifting-related. Louis had an article every month in Powerlifting USA, and it was a new article just about every month. Really? Occasionally, he'd have some repeats, but most of the time, it was a new article every month. And there was a ton of lifters that did Westside. I would say a lot because they saw and read those articles in Powerlifting USA and then bought the VHS tapes, which there was a lot. Um, 
and how that had such an impact and, you know, drew other people into their training style. Yeah, I mean, the, the numbers spoke for themselves. I mean, you you know, as we kind of got ready for this, you know, one of the things Eric does, like, you know, kind of compiles some notes and, you know, it it developed this culture. So you had all this content. That's awesome. But then there was a byproduct of the content is, you know, people that are being filmed is they're, they're doing big things, right? Right. And, and so you have, you know, these all-time world records, and that's – I think you hit it on the head here is that that is what drives everything around Westside. Right. I think that's the key, that board. And yeah. breaking all-time – like if you want to figure out what's the, what's the engine underneath – I mean, well, first of all, the engine underneath Westside is Louie. Yeah. But what drives Louie? What's the engine under in Louie's head that's driving him for everything he does, all the adaptations to training, mm-hmm. his – the way he picks lifters or the way he develops lifters, the way he develops training style, it all revolves around breaking all-time world records. Just putting your name on that, the board. Th- right. Getting your name on the board is what drives Westside. And one of the things that stood out to me more than anything else when I rewatched this today was that environment. And I, I all caps that on our notes. Mm-hmm. Environment. Yes. Yeah, if, it, if if you think everything that Westside does is bullshit and you think max effort and dynamic effort are all BS, I mean, first of all, the results can speak. Now, I should say the results speak for themselves. But if you go on, you know, our powerlifting on Reddit, all the IPF boys will say, well, you know, all they, they've only done it in like, uh, you know, uh, multiply meets and high squats. It's like, okay. It doesn't work for raw. Right. Not to mention that there's been a, a number of raw lifters that have adapted Westside for them. And that's – this. it's always funny when I go on these message boards or I talk to people and I'm defending Westside. I've never trained Westside. Mm-hmm. I don't train conjugate. No, I do – I've borrowed some of their ideas as probably everybody has. And if you haven't, then you're probably lying to yourself because – Wrong. Right. <laughs> everybody has done some box squats and board presses and bands and chains. And I I use quite a bit of that in my training. Wait, you, you didn't invent bands and chains? <laughs> We're going to get to that with the Louisisms later. <laughs> Still in my but it's funny when there. I feel like I'm the one defending Westside, even though I'm not a Westside lifter. I've never even trained, quote, conjugate before. But it's hard to argue with what they've done. And even if you think all their training style is BS – and it, we're going to talk later about, you know, how different, woefully different training styles mm-hmm. has produced similar results. Yep. But to me, it's that competition and environment, and that is what makes Westside work. The rising tide raises all ships. I, I've, I've heard a lot of people say online, you could maybe train conjugate, but you're not training Westside unless you're training at Westside. It, correct. And if it, you speak about the environment, and that, that, is, that is so huge. Because you walk in there, and I would say this: you you you've been training in powerlifting for you know nineteen years. I've been doing it for you know five, six, seven years, and every gym you go into, I, I would say even even around here, there's great gyms around the Chicagoland area: Surge New Levels, Two XL, Monster Garage Gym. Uh, you could list off a lot of different barbell four thirteen, yeah, jacked uh, bar, uh, barbell compound. You know, there's a um, uh, Quads Jam, like, B&W. There's a lot of powerlifting th- gyms there in is. Chicago. And it's great culture around here. I would venture to say you could go in there, not every day, once in a great while, and kind of take a day off. You could kind of just say, I'm, I'm just going to half-ass it today. And you know what? If you're strong and, and you train decently and you're sweating, no one's going to really say anything. They're really not. Because at the end of the day, 
2XL and all these, they're businesses. And Correct. if you just want to pay your 40 bucks a month or whatever and come in here and do whatever right. you want, most gym owners are just going to be like, okay, that's maybe not what's going to make you the best. Correct. But ultimately, you know, 2XL is a, it's a business. Correct. And Westside, although has become a business, partly because they've run themselves this way, at least the beginning, they didn't, he a, didn't run it as a business. It was an environment. Again, it was go a back culture. To the, Go back to the all. Go back to what we said before. This all-time world records. That's what drove Westside. It yep. wasn't making money. It wasn't getting out of training style to everybody. It was nope. how can we achieve all-time world records? Yep. And, and everything else will fall into place, right? And and so that that environment is it, it is something that is almost impossible to duplicate. I've seen that in, in the business world, where there are certain environments where you know you see a company hit you know this critical mass and then just explode in a positive way, and and just you know, goes crazy and the value goes up and, and, you know, they're the unicorns and then they do really great things. They make all this money and, and the, it's the environment. It's this, envi- it's this esprit de corps where you walk in and you can't take a day off. Right. Or in Westside, you'll just be kicked out is what they'll tell right. you. And, and literally have. Right. They, they have. And, There's and no doubt. You watch the movie and they, and they talk about that as guys that are kicked out because they wanted to try to be off one day. And so it's not just, a West Side. No, you, there is no off days, and you're you're a part of the team, and the team. Not is, even if you just were in the hospital and got your arm in a sling. We'll get to that too. But the, the environment, I think, is just it's so crucial, it's so well, important, and that and that's what people talk about is, you know, this is a whole other show. Is powerlifting a single or a team sport? Yeah. I think multiply powerlifting as a team sport, it, it, expressed individually, certainly. Yeah, but I, I think that all styles of powerlifting, if, if you truly want to get to the elite levels, it's a team sport. You are you are not. I'm sorry. If you are a raw lifter, you are not going to get to be the elite of the elite unless you are truly special. Without training partners, a training crew. Well, yeah, there's there's yetis out there. I mean, Blaine Sumner looks like he trains mostly by himself or with a small crew. He again, he is the anomaly. Right, he's a yeti. Yeah, he is. And chicken chicks. Um, I, I mean, we had a guy on the team here, Chris Zork. If you ever listen to this, who also I before Blaine Sumner, by the way, was doing chicken shakes. Mm. So maybe maybe Blaine Sumner copied Chris Zork. Maybe, maybe. I think somebody else was doing that, though, before as well. Uh, I don't know, man. All I'm telling you is I like ground beef, and that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, going back to the all-time world records concept, I mean, the one that stood out to me was A.J. Roberts, who's a super smart guy, was mm-hmm. very strong, and he, I think he had just set a record, maybe not an all-time world record, and Louis, after the meet, had said, hey, A.J., if you can just get your body weight up to 350 pounds, yeah. We really could get you, you know, to that all world record. And meanwhile, AJ's like pushing three fifteen. Face is purple, just right. bit tiny shoe. You know, he says he feels like shit. He can't sleep. His blood pressure's high. You know, he feels like his heart's gonna explode. And he's like, no. To be fair, Louis was probably right. Yeah. If all you're thinking about is all time world record, not your health, not your blood pressure, not your longevity. If you're thinking about setting all time world records, Louis's probably right. Mm-hmm. We we joke with one of our teammates here. We'll do the second one. We joke with one of our teammates, Joey Johnson, who mm-hmm. when he first came here, <laughs> he was a 198-er, and I told him, you just stop cutting. You're, it's going to hold you back. No point. There's no point. And so he listened eventually after having a mediocre meet. For, I mean, it still did fine, but not as well as he wanted. And he's let himself bulk up to 220. And I told him. Outer look thick. If you were at Westside, Louie would tell you you have to be at least 308 to average out your leverages. Oh, yeah. At least. Oh, yeah. And I told him, just from my perspective, he probably should be a 242-er eventually because he's tall and long. <laughs> but at Westside, literally, you'd go there and Bane, they'd say to Bane, like, oh, you know, Bane, you really should move up to at least super heavyweight if you want to yeah. if you want to max out your five, leverages. Five foot eight and 343 pounds. Well, I mean, you know, Ed Cohn is my height, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I know. And he, at his peak, lifted 222-42. 
But he has also built like a literally like a brick. Yeah, I mean that man is, especially in his prime, was just a a absolute monster. So let's go to my first section of my review. It's always good to start with uh, the good, you know, what you like about something. And I would say overall, I'm positive on the movie. Mm -hmm. I'm positive on the uh, documentary. Um, For me, the good, the production value. I mean, it was good narration. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know who the guy was, but he's semi-famous. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Okay. I couldn't remember off the top of my head who it was. What's that? It's Hellboy. Yes. You know, he definitely, his, you know, professional voice added credibility to it. Um, the music throughout, all the way from you know the start of the documentary, mm-hmm. kind of really set the scene. I think so. Um, and like we've talked about, there was ton- I mean, they did tons of interviews, tons. I mean, yeah. uh, not just people from West Side. You know, they interviewed people like Donnie Thompson, who had just taken ideas from West Side. Yeah. Um, people who probably didn't even, you know, were anti. I don't know, anti West Side, but like Ed Cohen, who certainly never trained West Side. He no. respected them. Yeah. One hundred percent. But. You know, probably didn't even agree with their training style, didn't agree with the meets they lifted in, but respected what they did. Right. I mean, I think Eddie is, is the kind of guy, he game-recognized game, right? And so he's like, hey, cool, you guys are strong. I mean, it, knowing Eddie probably would think to himself, I'm stronger. But. And, he, and he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> he's Ed. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, they interviewed college strength coaches that, you know, drove out to find Westside just to get ideas mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. Um and we talked about there's all this old training footage from Dave Tate oh, and so Louis dope. Simmons doing seminars. I mean, and there's so I mean, he used to have tons of VHS tapes. One of our teammates, Jonathan Zychek, talked about how he used the interlibrary borrowing system to borrow the West Side VHS tapes back in high school or college. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, so he basically went and he worked out a deal with a, I'm assuming a library in Columbus, and got it sent here. Probably. I don't know. That's yeah, I mean, because cool. he lived in the northern suburbs at the time. Okay. Um, I mean, and overall, I mean, they made a documentary out of, in most people's minds, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about the powerlifting or strength training world, but to most people, Westside's an obscure powerlifting gym in Columbus. It's not really that big. It, it hasn't... It's it has, a shithole. And it hasn't... No, I think the new one now is a little nicer, but the old one certainly was. If every picture I see, is it looks like a shithole. <laughs> You know, it's an obscure, small little gym. It's not as though... And Louis trained a lot of a lot of people outside of powerlifting. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. I, you know, it's not as though he's even one of the biggest athlete training gyms in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not franchised his system and sold it elsewhere. It's one gym in Columbus, and they made a whole documentary about it. Yep. And really, when you watch it, because initially when I saw the intro, I thought, man, this is going to be the Dave Hoff show. It's going to be all about Hoff mm-hmm. and how his rise. But it really is the Louis show. I mean, the movie yeah. The movie is almost a biopic on Louis Simmons because Westside is Louis and Louis is Westside. He talks about when I die, Westside dies. Now, I think that's probably false because someone will t- – there's too much value in the name at this point. Yeah, at this point, it's been commercialized too much in and, that respect. And, you know, his – I don't know if he has any kids or – I know he has a wife yeah. or had a wife. I, I don't know his situation, but someone will, will definitely – take over and continue the West Side name after Louis dies, even though it will definitely be different. There's no doubt. Oh, there's no doubt. Because, I mean, you – I think he makes the greatest analogy when he talks about his relationship to powerlifting is he is Captain Ahab. He right. is Captain Ahab. And powerlifting and strength is, is his white whale. And, you know, it's it's amazing what he's done. You know, I – when I started promoting this documentary to people, especially when it hit Netflix – it was on Amazon Prime. It was like, okay, cool. It was on iTunes. It was dope. You know, people could buy it. 
Then when it got on Netflix, like, okay, people can watch this as part of their subscription. And so I would tell people, this is a, a glimpse into our world. People always ask, you know, they hear, okay, you power lift is cool. You travel around and, you know, you, they hear about these things. They hear about some numbers or hear about numbers that talk about other people doing. And I say, this is a glimpse into our world. It's different. It's not everything by any stretch. This is definitely a niche, yeah. small part of the powerlifting world. Correct. Like, but, and I told him, Louis is a nut job. That's the only way I can describe Well, and, and I, we talked about uh, a couple episodes ago. Who did I talk about? Maybe it was I talking about Ernie Franz, and yeah. he had 100 ideas. Louie and Ernie, and we'll talk about that later, but yeah. Louie and Ernie are both ones that, like, you know, they're like those crazy geniuses that they'll have, like, 100 ideas, and 90 mm-hmm. of them might be kind of crazy, but 10 of them are absolutely genius, Complete. you know, Reverse game-changing. Hyper. Right. And, and well, you know, I did all these 45-degree back raises and, and back <laughs> hoppers, and I thought, what about if I did it in reverse? <laughs> That's one of the Louisisms that I love that we quote all the time here but, at the gym. Which it reminds me of that scene in Half Baked when they're talking to John Stewart. It's like, you ever watched a movie? Yeah. You ever watched a movie on weed? <laughs> That's what I feel like that that is to me. So, so, but what I explain about Westside, kind of going back to when I'm promoting this to people, is more all-time world records have come out of this one gym combined than any other gym, period. It, you can't argue with that. Well, and he he's definitely had an impact outside of the powerlifting world, which shows you know how impactful his training styles are. I mean, yeah. there's pro teams, there's college teams, you know, there's strength coaches all around the country that are using at least elements of what he did. Uh, maybe they're maybe not using the conjugate system, but no, but there's a lot of people using bands. Chains, box squats, yep. board presses, um, doing dynamic effort work with accommodating resistance. I, I so a guy that works for me used to play for the Bears, and and we've talked about this, and we talk, and I said like, you need to watch this because you're going to see some of the training styles. And I know this because one of the founders of the Monster Garage gym was uh, Philip Daniels, and Phil played for the Bears, played for the Redskins. He talked about that that they adopted a lot of these things in with the Bears strength programs. And, yeah, the, the next day he comes in, he watched it uh, that evening. He's like, dude, I, it was wild. Like, I remember hearing even some of the theories they talk about. It's like, I remember hearing about this in our strength meetings. I'm like, yeah, dude, this this is where it all, you know, as far as with the U.S., this is where it all came from. Right. And uh, you, you got in here some uh, some Louisisms, and, and they are wonderful. I mean, you know, these ones are all great. Um, my Probably the best one to me is, sure, I didn't invent bands or trains. <laughs> I didn't invent toilet paper either, but I was smart enough to use it. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not necessarily saying these word for word, by the way. This is just my best facsimile. Oh god. So um good. Uh, and, and when that was when people asked Louis about, you know, bands and chains. He started with chains. Someone told him about bands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he I mean, Louis will straight out tell you he didn't invent a lot of these things. And no. that's true of most most people. Like it, it's very Ray Kroc didn't hit McDonald's. <laughs> exactly. It's with a lot of ideas. It's not necessarily who invents it; it's who can capitalize on it. And we'll talk about my buddy Mark Bell later. Mm. And, but he didn't invent the slingshot, but he was smart enough to market it and make a million plus dollars on it. Yep, it's been two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get his stuff uh, okay by the USAPL. Anyway, here's, <coughs> here's another one of my favorites when he asks why there's a dog on the West Side logo. Yep. Well, if you put your wife and your dog in the trunk of your car. When you take your dog out, he's still going to be happy to see you. <laughs> By the way, your wife probably wouldn't be too happy about that. No, no, this is not where you use the we language. 
No, no, we would not do that. No, no, we would not. Um, and this <laughs> this last one goes right into what will be a future episode. I love this one so much. I, we may or may not do it next week, but it's, at some point we're going to go talk about social media because that is a huge subject and one that I think really relates in well to, to powerlifting and strength yes. training. You know, I see all these kids at the gym, you know, with their phones, videoing all their lifts. You know, I used to play with my dick. All you kids do is play with your phones. <laughs> And there's a lot of Louisisms, and I'm sure the documentary only, like I can only imagine all the interviews they did with him and all the Louisisms. Oh my gosh, there was like cutting room floor footage that was available. I can only imagine what is there. right. Those are my favorite Louisisms, and that's the good. You know, I, I liked, I liked you know the things like the the B footage. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the illustrations to fill in the gaps when they talk about uh, Matt Dimmel beating up people at the bar. <laughs> you know, and. You know, it really was a lot. What made the documentary interesting to me, it's not the unique training style. It's not even the all-time world records. It's the people. I mean, you think about, you know, in personal training, for instance, a lot of times, you know, your experts will say, you know, don't sell on price, Mm -hmm. don't sell on facility, even though those things may be important. Really, you're selling, you know, you. You're you're the service. You're the product. Go sell yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's true, you know, with this documentary is that in the end of the day, it's the people, it's the personalities, it's the stories that make Westside interesting. It's I mean, the environment. I mean, Louis, just <laughs> some of the stories in here, they're, they're pretty unbelievable. I mean, Louis supposedly almost dying, oh, having God. a trach, and then getting taken from the hospital to the gym and doing a max raw, raw bench workout with Chuck V. Yeah. This was not in the documentary, but there's a story I read online where Chuck V apparently got in a car accident, was kind of hurt. His car was totaled, took a cab back to Westside, even though he just had his car totaled because it was squat day and he needed to do it a max effort squat workout and still did his workout. Yeah, that's... And it's too bad that Chuck, because there's a lot... If anything, if it's not the Louis show, it's the Chuck show in this movie. It's a lot about Chuck Vogelpohl. Yeah, it does evolve into that, yeah. And it's too bad that he did not agree to an interview and i know they asked yeah because they wanted to interview a lot of people and they the the film producer has said they tried to interview chuck he was not interested interesting um well you know he also didn't want to come back to west side for a while and he's kind of randomly walked back in the door so you never know right i just don't know if you want to be on camera so those are the things i really liked um i'd say i liked probably 90 percent of everything um, but as someone who was there mm-hmm. and who knows kind of the context of everything, there's a couple things. So that's the good, the bad to me, the things that, you know, I don't know if it's a complaint, but the things that, you know, stood out to me as things I didn't like as well. Mm-hmm. First was that, you know, they talked about Big Iron Gym, which was certainly an impactful gym when it was around. Rick Hussey and his training style was really vastly different than Westside. I mean, they basically did full gear you know, squat bench deadlifts, and they did a lot of reverse band work, but they Mm. did not do max effort, dynamic effort work. And he produced really strong lifters. Having been someone who was there, I was surprised there wasn't more mention on Franz Jim. Because when you go back to especially the early days of the WPO, when you go back to the 90s, um, Westside, you know, he wanted all-time world records, so certainly it made the most sense for him to lift in the APF that was the first multiply organization. Yeah. There was a falling out in the 90s where there was some arguments on judging. Westside left the APF. 
Um, and I think that was around the time that Mark Chalet left the APF and formed the IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, they did come back because they were there for the WPO in yeah. the early 2000s. And when the WPO blew up, they left again. Mm-hmm. And in the interim, there were even some West Side pro-ams where Louis put up some of his own money yep. and ran some pro-meets that were both IPA and SPF-sanctioned. Um, but there was definitely, when you go back to those WPO days, there was a big rivalry between – and again, I'm biased because I trained there – and I was around in the mid-2000s when yep. the WPO was going on. But there was some strong rivalries between the West Side guys and between some of the Franz guys like Jose Garcia, Jason Patrick, mm-hmm. Kevin Thomas, Noel Lavario that were right there. And I can't remember the winners. I'd have to go back and look. But I know at least once that Jose Garcia was on the podium, whether he won or not. I can't remember. He was definitely up there. Right. Jason Patrick right there as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Noel or Jason were ever that high, but they were they were there. Right. Um. So it's surprising that Ernie Franz only got a passing mention by Ed Cohn as far as him starting the APF and kind of introducing multiply gear. Yeah, that was, I found that very interesting because I, you know, always think about you know Ernie as the Godfather of powerlifting. This is his nickname around here, right? And so um, Louis has the same nickname to some people. Yeah, which again I find very very interesting. And so I, I wonder if. You know, they did have to kind of paint this almost Louis versus the world, so that's kind of why, you know, Ernie wasn't mentioned as much because I think there was a lot more of an argument of what Louis has or what Ernie has done for the sport uh, versus, you know, like Big Iron Jim. There's such a, a, I don't want to call it, say flash in the pan because it was kind of, you know, it's tragic, you know, kind of why it, it went down, but they didn't have as big of an impact. So, yeah, we can mention Rick Hussey because it was a very short time. Well, and I think maybe that was more of front of mind because Coker was a was a big iron lifter who then yep. transplanted, you know, to Ohio to and, lift with Westside and now I think went to Lexington. Yeah, and I, and I think you can also talk about, and again, this may be, you know, the evolution that will come, is the lineage of the Franz gym is so vastly different than it is at Westside, where it's Westside and that's it, period. Well, I mean, I do think there's some offshoots of Westside. I mean, I think Lexon is probably an offshoot of Westside. I think they probably trained conjugate. Matt Wenning's gym is, I mean, he was a Westside guy and went and formed his own spot. He does some other stuff. There's a lot of gyms that yeah, train Westside. And, and but it's not. Lead FTS is kind of, you know, yeah, I get it. Yeah. He was there and everything. But I guess maybe just this is my opinion on it and how I've always seen it is. I hear more and more owners like around the Chicagoland area talk about their connection to Ernie and also in a positive light versus how a lot of these guys were talking about it's, their connection to Louie, and it's right. maybe not as positive. It's different. No. I mean, people didn't get kicked out of Franz Gym. They decided to kind of do their own thing because right. – and they still kept a good relationship. And it's interesting because, I mean, when I trained at Franz, if you brought in a band, a chain – I mean, barely he barely tolerated board presses, and that was just to get the shirt worked in. Yeah. But there couldn't have been two more diametrically opposed training styles than – Westside that only trained in their gear once in a while and did max effort, dynamic effort, you know, training sessions based around specialty bars and exercises mm-hmm. versus Franz gym. We did squat, bench, deadlift. And if you're on the, the full Franz training style, squat, bench, deadlift three times a week with a competition bar and in their regular style, mostly for singles. Wow. And you had both gyms producing really strong lifters. And that goes back to our starting point, talking about environment, where Mm -hmm. you have a bunch of big, strong dudes pushing each other. I I don't want to say that doesn't matter how they train, but definitely there are, you know, different ways of achieving the same goal, undoubtedly. 
because we trained, again, almost as far as you could get from West Side at Franz. I can tell you that. And if I would have done even some of the stuff we do at 2XL now, which is not West Side, it's not conjugate, but mm -hmm. if I had done box squats and had bands and chains and that kind of stuff, All I'd have been. specialty bars. Yeah, I definitely would have been thrown out of Franz. <laughs> So it was interesting that there was no mention of Franz Gym, especially because, you know, the rise of multiply powerlifting is closely related mm -hmm. to Ernie Franz and yep. starting the APF, A, um, and B, at least from my bias standpoint, there was a big rivalry back then because, at least in the Chicago area, which again is biased because that's where mm -hmm. I grew up, there was always the talk about how did you train? Do you train a Franz style, which is a little bit more of a traditional, it's not even really a Western periodization, but it's it's closer to that. Mm -hmm. Um Versus, you know, do you train West Side? And the gyms that are associated with Franz Gym trained Franz style. Yep. And, you know, some other gyms trained West Side. And West Side was definitely more popular, you know, outside of Chicago. There were some yeah. people around here that did it. Yeah. But you go into Ohio, you know, it's like I, I remember doing a meet in Ohio and, you know, a guy talking to me. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, we started using them rubber bands on the bar and, <laughs> you know, kind of as an Ohio twang. And yep. It's, yep. it's huge out there. Yeah. So that was my one. The other, and I get why this was not mentioned. I get it. But it's hard for me to imagine a documentary that covers the full breadth of West Side without mentioning drugs, without mentioning anabolic steroids. Like weed. Yeah, not, at, not weed, although I'm sure there's some of that going on. But no, it's hard because another Louisism that wasn't mentioned in, in the documentary was you take a denim bench shirt and a bottle of test on a bench, and they're not going to bench a pound. It's true. And Louis has been pretty open about his steroid usage. Mm -hmm. To be fair, if we go back to Ernie Franz, so was he. He would have told you straight out that he used steroids, anabolic steroids. Is what it is. And I don't think anybody at Westside would claim to be drug-free. They don't compete in drug-tested meats, generally. Yeah. Because, it, again, it's just what, what drives the gym? You go back. All-time world records. And to break all-time world records, I'm not saying you have to use anabolics, but it's probably part of the equation, at least, quote, for recovery. I, I would say, because we, we had this conversation last week, right? And third shout-out to Joey there, because uh, he was part of that. Wow, yeah. three shout-outs. Three shout-outs. At JJ underscore fitness 13. <laughs> or is it JJ fitness underscore 13? I don't know. I just know I love him. Um, you know, at some point, you've got to make that decision. And, and, and you, to your point, all it does is aid recovery. That's all they do. They don't make you they that's how they make you stronger. <laughs> they don't lift the weight for you. They don't grow the muscle for you per se. They just simply help you recover. And and the idea about steroids and this is just how I've always been explained to it. It is an incredibly personal decision. There is risk reward when it comes to using them. And and it is you as the athlete is your job to look at that risk reward and say it's worth it. Well, and I don't want to make this a whole discussion on anabolic steroids because nope, that's, that's all I want to say. Because <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. We could do a whole hour talking about at anabolics. Least. At, at least. least. Right. I mean, it's a huge topic. But to not even have a segment mentioning at least like a you know a 30-second spot where they talk about maybe, hey, we train in multi we do multiply meets because we want to lift the most weight. Mm -hmm. And hey, we also do untested meets and you know, you could have used that Louisism. You, you you can infer what you want. Right. You could have used that Louisism of, hey, I, there's a bench shirt and a bottle of test sitting on the bench. How much did it bench? I don't even know if there was a pat. Ben, you said you thought there was maybe a passing mention to it. There, a very, I think it was Coker said it. Just, again, very passingly. It was like a one real quick, 
and I gotta go back and watch it just to be I don't sure remember that. any I remember watching it the first time. That's one of the things other than no no not much mention of Franz Jim. So he, that's said, the other thing that stood out to me is that there's not hardly any mention. And again, I understand why as a documentary maker you don't want to highlight that because it has the potential to envelop the whole movie because hundred percent. Because and if you're painting this to the picture to advertisers or people that you're trying to sell the the documentary on, you don't want to make it a steroid movie. No. I get it. But to not even mention it, we've seems, had pumping iron. We get it, right? Yeah. Well, but it seems like you're you're not giving the full story of Westside because they've always competed untested for the most part. And that's not to say that Westside, you know, training style doesn't work for drug free lifters. Just like people yeah. say it doesn't work for raw lifters. I think in either way, I think it you could adapt any training training style to work for raw or equipped, tested or not tested. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's adaptations that Bain and I could not do that. They could do it West Side, yeah. I'm sure. You yeah. know, I probably even if I wanted to train conjugate, I'm not sure that I could handle a max effort workout every week. No, nah, I don't think I could do that. Not gonna happen. But to not mention it, uh, that's those are my two criticisms. Um That's uh, fair. Let's get to the ugly. And these aren't really criticisms on the movie. These are more just things that are part of it. Um Yeah, and, and these are especially one of these to me was probably one of the it was fascinating but also incredibly troubling. Right. So Louis' injuries, and this is not, <laughs> this is not the ugly. Like I, I'm hating on it, but it's just like the guy almost like some of these are almost just unbelievable. He almost died. Right. He, you know, I I, I legitimately believe he broke his back twice. That I believe. Hundred percent. Um, I think he, put, he puts the extras up every now and then. I right. Think, I think. Right. And and you know he he apparently is allergic to anesthesia, and they gave him anesthesia and almost died, and then he went to the gym and maxed out on bench. I mean, some of Louis's injuries are just so and, fantastical. And the, the max out on bench w- right after the tray. <laughs> right. That's I, I mean, I, I it's just, just it's like some of these are like legendary stories, right? And and the never sleeping more than an hour at a time. That was another one. I made some notes today. I mm-hmm. had two pages of notes, and I didn't put that on our notes for the podcast. But that was in my notes. I wrote down like he only sleeps one hour at a time. I find that hard to believe. I, Does he have trouble sleeping? I do not doubt that. At I, all. I don't doubt it at all. But I'm sleeping an hour at a time. It just, it just. But but that that also plays into you know this environment where these it doesn't pe- matter if you slept or ate or whatever, yeah. or you crash your car, yeah, or if you broke your arm. But these guys and gals are superhuman. It is, ba- I mean, in a sense, they are. Right. You look at the strength they have. They are, and so I, I think that sometimes it's like, okay, you got these injuries, and it's like we're gonna we're gonna play it a little bit because, uh, yeah, it. It always just kind of made me think, to your point, like, man, it, I, I want to believe this is on this documentary and all these people are quote-unquote confirming it. Is this just some kind of weird mass hysteria? Because the I think probably everything happened, but to, it's always to, to me extent. like, how did it, was it to the extent, like, did Louis literally get pulled out of the hospital or was it like, you know, he got into the hospital like a week later and then it's like, yeah. all right, Louis, now it's time to go. I'm Chuck's picking you up. Because was well, well, we'll get into these next, the next one, and then I'll I'll give an interesting comment that one of my coworkers gave me after watching the film. Yeah, I mean, and when you, and Louis talks about his injuries, you know, it does, and, and, and I go back to my original point of that all time world records runs West Side, and it's like, is it worth it when you're breaking your back and you have to be traked and all this stuff? Is it really worth it? Would be my question. I guess I'm not the person that's trying to break all time world records. So to me, no. I'm just trying to be strong and stay in the sport for a long time. Mm-hmm. But you know, when some of these guys talk about their injuries, and again, 
when you're pushing your body to the absolute limit, you that's, that that's what could happen. It's a higher risk, higher reward. Yep. So the second one just really stood out to me. Bob Coe, a longtime West Side guy, you know, he made a comment at the end of the documentary, you know, very touching how Louis had taught him, you know, more how to be a man than anyone else. But then, yep. you know, 10 minutes before that, he talked about how he'd never made it to his son's, you know, state championship swimming meets because they benched on Wednesdays. And sure, on one hand, you can say he was really dedicated to Westside. On the other hand, I would say if my son was a state champion swimmer. Anything. Right, anything, chess player, maybe I wouldn't miss every bench day. But maybe I would go to some of them. In fact, I would probably go to. The state championship. Right. Me personally, we talked about this in the gym earlier today. We bench on Friday nights. Mm -hmm. That's been that way for seven or eight years now. Mm -hmm. Back in the old Team Stone days. We used to bench on Saturday, we, Sunday. Good wee language. We, we used to bench on Sunday mornings. You, Jackie. <laughs> and we squatted on Saturday afternoons. Yeah. Uh, at some point, we moved squats to Sunday, and then we moved bench to Friday. If sometime, and I'm not saying he needs to, but at some point, my son, Jacob, wants to play football, and he plays high school football, and they play on Friday nights, I'm sorry. At least I'm moving bench nights. Like, yeah. I'm not going to bench on Fridays during football season. We can move it to Saturday. We can move it to Thursday. We can move it to Monday. But if my son is going to play football in high school, I'm going to try to be there for as many games as I can. Yep. And just like I talked about in the last point on, like, are the injuries worth it? For me, you know, your kids, there's only a finite amount of time that they're going to be doing things that they really care for you to watch yep. when they're kids. Yep. I'm going to be there. I don't know about you, Bane. I'd say you're probably on the same wavelength as I am. Yeah, and, you know, I, I made this comment when we were talking about it. There's, there was two schools of thought, and... I had a very interesting conversation about this, actually with a couple of people, but you know, specifically at work. For for me personally, you know, I, I want this time with my kids because it is very special, and, and they're still younger. You know, my oldest is sixteen, and, and so I want to enjoy those moments and them to have those memories. I have phenomenal memories with my parents. You know, coming to events and enjoying them with me, and you know, enjoying my success with me. And so, on the flip side of that, I do see that, you know. With Bob showing that dedication to the sport and to Westside, did that instill in his son that same dedication to his sport? I don't know if it did or not. I don't know if that's a chicken yeah, or egg. You could make that argument. You could. And who knows? We might be taking it. Maybe Bob Coe actually did make it to one of his meets, and this was just for maybe. the documentary. Because sometimes it's just it's good, in docu- it's good in documentary to have, you know, stories like, you know, I'm so hardcore and so dedicated that I, you know, like when – in Pumping Iron, Arnold yeah. talks about how he missed his dad's funeral. Yeah. Because, oh, I have to trend for the meets. You know, and I, and I, just... I know J.P. Carroll just posted something yesterday about just being hardcore and, you know, kind of how intense the, the sport can be. I, I love the sport. I love the relationships it's brought me. I love the places it's taken me. I, I love the cool plastic trophies that are around my house and in my office. At the end of the day, none of that stuff matters. What matters is that how... Ella, Nolan, Lily, and Austin Bain care, and and how they view their relationship with their father. If it happens to be that, hey, dad's strong, and he did a lot of cool things powerlifting, right. so be it. But they sure should are going to see him there at things. I mean, I remember my dad going to little dribblers games at the YMCA mm-hmm. and being like the only dad out there yelling at the ref about traveling or double dribble or <laughs> stuff. I mean, I remember that. I mean, my parents. That's why, may... that's why I do not coach my kids. <laughs> he wasn't coaching, right? He was in the he was in the balcony. Yeah, I can I can be quiet when I'm in the balcony. 
I mean, but I remember them coming. I mean, they came to all my high school football games. I mean, even when I was in, you know, in college, when it was somewhere nearby, they would try to make it to my brother and I's football games. Right. Shoot, when I first started powerlifting, they came to my powerlifting meets. And if I told them, hey, this is a big meet, I want you to come watch me, my mom would probably bring something to do between lifts because she, know how, she yep. knows how long meets are. Yep. But they would be there to watch. My, the very first and, meet my parents came to was uh, 2017 AAPF Nationals that you guys put on. Oh, okay. Right Weston. Oh, that's right. A home <laughs> site of USAPL Raw Nationals coming up this Sweet, week. Sweet. Exciting. Yay. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, and maybe, Bay, and that's why neither you or I will probably ever be all-time world record holders. I think I'm safe in saying that. No, I, I would agree with that. But you and, know Because I'm not 100% dedicated to powerlifting. I'm dedicated, yeah. and, I, and I, I probably miss less workouts than most people because I'll make it up some other time. Shoot. Yeah. I mean, I own a gym, so it's hard for me to – Yeah to justify missing workouts. Yes. But, you know, I'm sorry. My kid's going to take precedent over my gym at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I, I talked about it last week that I, I have not since, basically since Worlds, I have not trained on the weekends. So we're talking, you know, six, seven weeks now at this point. And, and I'll, I'll get back to that because that's usually when I'll do, you know, big squat and, and deadlift days. And uh, But for me, it's like I, I'm going to just kind of enjoy this time with my family right now, you know. And we got a lot of stuff going on. we got Austin. You know, he's in 10th grade. And so it's like, uh, we gotta start talking about schools. We gotta start, you know, really looking at this kind of stuff. I'm like, let's take three months and kind of, you know, I'll still enjoy working out. I come, in, I come in and train here, you know, during the week, and just let my family enjoy me being around more. Right. Okay. My third one, which makes me the angriest, angriest. Oh, let's get into this one. Oh, uh, you know, Mark Bell. Let me say this. Fuck you, Mark Bell. <laughs> You know, fuck you and your stupid Lincoln Navigator you drive into the garage door of your gym. <laughs> I mean, you know, for a guy that built his whole, you know, internet persona on being a multiply powerlifter and then, you know, bloating up so much that he basically broke himself. Yep. Um, bloating up so big that he popped his back in a multiply suit. And then to say, well, you know, Louis, and, and again, I always feel like, why am I the one? Defending Westside. I'm not a Westside lifter. I don't train Westside. But I feel like for Mark Bell, a guy who was, you know, as closely associated with Westside as just about anybody, mm-hmm. to now say, well, you know, Louie's being a coward by not adapting and making Westside raw. Well, you know what? Fuck you. He can do whatever he wants. It's his gym. Right. His goal is, is has always been, and as long as he's there, will always be to focus on all-time world records. And that's, again, that's the driver of the gym. And he and his lifters can train and compete however the fuck they want, and they don't have to answer to anybody, Mark Bell included. All I'm going to say in response to that is the only raw lifting that I see on Netflix is CrossFit. Exactly. And by the way, (laughs) mic dropped. (laughs) By the way, after I said a couple weeks ago that a million-dollar idea, and I'm sure Mark Bell's been developing this for a while. To be fair, I said the idea a long time ago Mm. that – you know, Mark Bell should come up with some briefs because he's got every other fucking joint covered. And so the next thing he should do is come out with some some slingshot briefs. The next fucking Literally the next day on Instagram, <laughs> I'm Nostradamus. Mark Bell has a video of some prototype briefs. That and you know was what? so funny. And you know what? Good for Mark Bell. I, that's great. I don't have any issue with that. Um, I hope he sells a million briefs and it brings people to multiply powerlifting exactly. as a gateway drug. Exactly. But for him to go on about, and I, this was made a couple years ago, um, I'm sure the interviews especially were probably done around the 2017 time. Mm-hmm. We talked a few weeks ago, how about there's definitely been a rise in Raw. 
the big meets have been raw. The big dogs meet in Australia, the U.S. Open. Yep. Um, USAPL Nationals. USAPL Raw Nationals is the biggest numbers-wise meet probably out there. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the big lifters have been gravitating to raw. And Westside has not. They've had some big raw lifters. Yeah. But at the end of the day... Again, what drives Louie? All-time world records. Not all-time world raw records, no. but all-time, all-time world records, no matter federation, no matter equipment, no matter drug testing. Correct. And, and if you – hate to break it to everybody, but if you wear equipment and you use it properly, you're going to lift more than somebody who lifts raw, period, end of discussion. Right. And, you know, one of our teammates posted a video of, like, three people trying to pull this guy out of his knee sleeves the other day. <sighs> And it's like, so that's raw. Three people pulling you out of your knee sleeves, that's like three sizes too small. That's, that's you know. But it's different because it takes four people to get you out of your squat suit. So totally different. Well, yeah, it's totally different than knee wraps that you could wrap yourself yeah. and could have Definitely. as tightness or as much looteness as you want. But, you know, yeah, it's just like, and, and again, I, I find it odd that I'm the one here defending Westside as a, an ex-Franz lifter, don't train Westside. Um, but you have to respect what they do and also you know, no one other than Mark Bell and selling apparel. And I'm not hating on Mark Bell making money. That's great no, for Mark Bell. He's get, found a niche. Get the bag, baby. And he's made money on powerlifting. But people aren't making money on lifting and powerlifting meets. So at the until you start putting out, you know, money meets yep. that you can make, a, not, not, a, not a money meet, but a career out of powerlifting. Yeah, t- 10 grand one time a year, not a Right, not a that's career. not even covering your, your supplements, quote unquote. <laughs> Your training and your travel to the meet. Now, sure, it's cool to win ten grand. Yeah, I'll, don't get me wrong. I would when, fight you for it on the ground. Right, but when you talk about like guys in bodybuilding that are winning, you know, hundred thousand dollars, right? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Not to men, not to mention sponsorships yeah. that mean that they don't have to work anymore. All yeah. they have to do is train. When there's something like that, and it's all raw, and raw is in the Olympics, mm-hmm. powerlifting in the Olympics, and there's no multiply meets. It's like okay, I, I get it now because the only way to make money in this sport is with raw. But until then. We're all just lifting weights how we feel like it, basically. Yeah. We, we basically are the best at working out in front of people. Right. And That's it's all just, we are. And it's mostly a hobby for a few, few, few select people. Maybe you get a little bit of money or maybe you get a little bit of coverage on ESPN3 yeah. with the WPO. And who knows? Maybe that could grow into something big. And if it does, like we said last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, yep. there will be the return to equip powerlifting. And all of a sudden, Mark Bell is going to be promoting these, uh, these, you know, slingshot briefs everywhere. All I will say is t- talking tonight, because we have some of the USAPL lifters coming in right now to 2XL. We do. And speaking with one of the young men tonight, he's 21, uh, came to us from California, SoCal, not NorCal. Uh, you know where Super Training is, but... You know, he, he and I were talking about equipped lifting. He started asking a bunch of questions like, oh, do they do a lot of equipped lifting here? Can you tell me more about it? And so I was always fascinated by it. I'm like, see, it's already starting. It's already starting. Right. And if there's a place for people to go to compete in it, that's the thing. There's like for the last ever since WPO was gone, mm-hmm. like there's been APF meets. There's been the multitude of other multiplayer organizations, but there's been nothing big drawing people in. No. And it goes back to when we talk about our social media's impact. There's mm-hmm. been no the big the big players on social media, the insta famous lifters, they're all raw for the most part. Yeah. There's so I mean Dave Hoff Dave Hoff has got a pretty big social media following. And so does um uh Blaine Sumner Blaine, who's an you. who's an equipped lifter single ply. They oh. both have big social media followings. But I would say the vast majority of, especially female powerlifters, oh, yeah. who have all, a big social media following, they're all raw. All raw. Um, and mostly, a lot of them that are maybe the insta-famous assists, 
They're not even necessarily great lifters. They just got great asses. Fact. There are some that are great lifters and have great asses, but I'd say there's a few that I followed and unfollowed that. You uh, <laughs> unfollowed them, Jackie, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, never, <laughs> Jackie, I don't follow any chick that posts ass pics ever. <laughs> to be fair, the Instagram handle that I go on is for the gym. Yes. It's for the gym. It's true. And the other one is for the APF. Yeah. It sounds very efficient when I can say I'm the social media manager for the APF. Curator. Mainly because no one on the APF executive committee even knows how to turn on Instagram. <laughs> they barely know how to use Facebook. It's, are they the ones that put the thing on? They're like, Bruce, please call me <laughs> as, their, as their like right. profile. Right. Did you see one of those recently on Facebook where it's like all these pictures yes. of like, you know, boomers with like on their bio, it says like, you know, you know, great seeing you yesterday, Jan. See you tomorrow or something <laughs> like that. Or like their status, Paul Rupright, who probably will not listen to this, you know, posts on just his regular status like, hey, great seeing everybody at the reunion. I'm not going to make it next week. It's like, you know, Paul, you probably could set up like a group for these people. Yep. Or you could send them a private message. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to post it to everybody. I don't care about your class of 69 reunion. Like it's cool. Yeah. But it's odd that you're making it public to everybody. It's weird. People are weird. Any final thoughts on uh, Westside versus the World, Bane? I, I give it so – uh, on the scale of what we'll use a, a five a five star scale, mm-hmm. uh, I think for our review of any uh, things, I give it I give it four canvas squat suits. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it four knee sleeves. Um, Fuck knee sleeves. Knee <laughs> <laughs> uh, sleeves are bullshit. And if you use them, I mean, what the fuck? Just put on a pair of fucking knee wraps. <laughs> Said, do these things. They are ultimately adjustable. And what, tell me, Bane, what is the point of knee sleeves? For me to keep my knees warm. That is it. I get zero out of them. So just put on a pair of sweatpants. First of all, no. Second of all, because I mean, have you seen these legs? I need to show these off. I had a pair of knee sleeves. I got some Tommy Kono knee sleeves. Famous weightlifter Tommy Kono. Okay. My knees sweat so goddamn much that it's like just a sweaty mess of leg hair and knees. And, and I'm like, fuck. And why am I wearing these? And the, oh, God, the smell. So the bad. Smell. Hey, lifters, if you're going to wear knee sleeves, which I say, there's base, unless you're lifting USAPL raw, there's basically no point. If you're going to wear them, wash the fuckers. For God's sakes, wash them. <laughs> I've smelled some of the worst smells in my life of raw lifters and knee sleeves. I mean, I thought that geared lifters like briefs, shirts, and squat suits those stink, get nasty. But at least they're not wearing those like on their skin for – I mean, maybe they are wearing it the whole time. But they don't wear them for every workout, to be fair. But I think, and I, they, they, you yeah. should wash your gear as well, to be fair. Wash yeah. your gear. It's not going to lose its magic. It's good. It's good to be fair, you can't wash really wash a canvas squat suit. But you usually have briefs under it. But I've I've smelled some canvas squat suits that are pretty sweaty and pretty nasty. That's gross. Uh, Wash your poly gear. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I give it four knee sleeves. Uh, no, I, I I enjoyed the film. I was very excited when it was you know getting ready to come out, and I was one of the kickstarters. Yeah, that's a whole different story. And I, I, I all that. But. After we put it on the schedule last week, literally the next day. My DVD finally came in the mail. I actually did. Correcting the record now. Yep. I actually did get a West Side vs. the World poster as well nice. for my $70 Kickstarter. And, hey, I'm not hating on it. I, Michael Fahey's doing some great stuff if he ever listens to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was eh, maybe slightly annoying that people that paid 10 bucks on Amazon got their DVD before I did. Now, I did get the movie before they did. I got it electronically. There you go. So whatever. It's fine. At the end of the day, 
whether it's on a DVD or sent to my mailbox, whatever. I got to watch it. You know, what we're trying to do here is just make Equipped great again. I get it. So, uh, hashtag, hashtag mega. mega. So, if you'd like a hashtag mega hat, you can come to the Chicago Strength Expo October 26th to 28th, and we will be selling some red mega hats. Nothing to do with anything political, folks, okay? No, nope, we're Jackie trying Stone, to. it's nothing to do with anything Trumpism. It's making Equipped Lifting great again. Hashtag mega. So, anyway, love the film. I do believe it is going to continue to pique interest in equipped lifting. I do feel it is already starting with some of the young folks where they're like, I am just intrigued by this. Show me more. I threw out there that there is the rumor that I have heard. This, again, very, very light rumor. Light murmur, as you said. Haas going to go for a 1,300-pound squat at this WPO. We'll see. Uh, I would say entirely plausible. I, I think it really is, given some of the numbers he's put up. And I better make sure I got enough kilo plates. Hey, watching this young man's eyes light up, like just get so wide when I said that number. I'm like, that's that's it. And that's why the WPO could be successful is yep. because of the freak show nature of it. And again, we talked about this in the equipped episode. Yep. I mean that in the most positive light possible. Hundred percent. And you know, one of my I, I didn't include it, but I, I I could include another one of the uglies, like the beginning of the film. You see Hoff, you know, <laughs> getting a squat and then going to the back and putting on oxygen. And yeah. I, I saw Hoff at a meet where he bombed, unfortunately, on the bench. I think it was 2016 WPC Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually did a three-man head for Matt Maneuth with 900 pounds at that meet, Jesus. which he bombed on the bench as well. On the first bench... Now, in the APF, it's at many meets, they will allow you to have your own three-man handoff. Mm-hmm. But usually... You have to stay there so that there's not switching out of spotters. But usually the, the other spotters will help back you up. So on Matt Manu's first 900-pound opening bench, the spotters just go away. And they're like, you have to stay there. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll stay here. But could you back me up? This is 900 yeah, pounds. Not, yeah. And I'm 180 pounds, by the way. So Hoff bom- bombed in the bench also at that meet. And in the back, he was, you know, sucking on oxygen mm-hmm. and puking into Jesus. a garbage can. Jesus Christ. You know, is that the best view of powerlifting? Eh, I don't That's arguable, but if there's nothing else, a dude squatting 1,300 pounds, that's going to that's gonna bring eyeballs to the product. It, it is, and at the end of the day, too. That's, he, as you use a wrestling reference, that's going to put butts in the seats. It, it's going to. And to go back to what we talked about, if you're talking about Westside versus the world, what is it? What is it all about? All time records, right? It's and that's time. that's what drives Hoff as well. Yep, um, exactly. So I think we'll we'll stop it there. We're a little over an hour again. Um, next week we'll have two possible options. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work on the capability of doing a phone interview. I've got the uh, cables for it, but I haven't quite been able to figure out how to figure out the levels. Mm. So if we can figure that out and if we can schedule it, I would like to do an interview with Wayne Pullum, the new owner of the WPO. Let's we'll see if the possibility of doing FaceTime on the laptop. If he has. I don't know if he has. I, I saw Wayne green text is, messages. So Wayne is not the most technological person in the world. So I don't... The, uh, Come on, Wayne. The regular phone might be the better option. Got it. Um, if not, we'll go to plan B, which will be... The impact of social media on powerlifting, which is honestly a huge, huge, huge bigly. topic. Because I think about when I started in powerlifting, I did learn about it from the internet. But a right. lot of your content came from, like with we talked about earlier with Louie, it came from Powerlifting USA. It yep. came from talking to dudes at meets. It came from going to gyms and learning from people. 
There definitely was no YouTube to go up and look up anything. There definitely was no podcasts. There, there was de- no Larry Wheels. Oh, my God. Save it. Save the anger for that one. <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because I screenshotted that yesterday and sent it to one of my group texts. I have some phenomenal screenshots of him from the <laughs> one of our the one two of, or three week period where everybody thought he was beating up girls. And where everybody knew he was, but and it all allegedly got slipped down the rug. Right. So social media has a large impact on our culture at large. Yep. And certainly has a large impact on powerlifting. So that if we don't cover that next week, we will cover it. Oh, yeah. My wife asked me, you know, are you guys just going to keep doing this until you run out of ideas? I think there are a lot of ideas I've got in my head. And especially if we can start doing some interviews, there's a lot of people we'd like to interview. Um, but I think there's a lot of topics that you and I could just talk about. Do we have any weight classes we want to interview through? Um, you know, I like to stick to more uh, generalized topics than, okay. a, than a specific weight class. Like, I don't know if we want to go through, like, all the 165 multiply powerlifters, even though that would be super interesting to me, you know. We get the 148s. Oh, now this is one. I'll have to give Jackie Stone credit for this. Now you probably didn't weren't even around for this pain, but in a long way place back in 2003 ish, maybe 2004, there was this meet called Bench America, hmm. where our local guy Joe Mukite rented out the Allstate Arena. Damn, and took out a third mortgage on his house allegedly, and got together the biggest benchers in the country. And benching was big back then. Benching was big. It was. Benching was almost as big as raw powerlifting. How much you bench? It was, and that's that was the tagline of, and he ran it for a few years, but ultimately the first year was basically multiply non tested, and then eventually for some reason it morphed into single ply tested. What? And so I would love if I could find Joe Mukite and interview him on his history with Bench America, and you know, how he came up with it and how it happened and mm-hmm. how it eventually kind of fell off. Sure. Because, you know, as someone who's now promoting a similar, yeah, not as similar, but a big event like the Chicago Strength Expo, yep. it's interesting to think back on a guy that, you know, tried to really put himself out there, mm-hmm. you know, almost like the WPO and put out a big meet. And, God, you had to buy tickets at Ticketmaster for Bench America. Damn. I mean, we were in the Allstate Arena. That's awesome. Um, it was awesome, but, you know, I'm Jackie has said – we are not taking out another mortgage on our house to run a powerlifting <laughs> meet, and we will not. It's on and, record. Yeah, we will not, Jackie. And on that, this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger.